a second day in pads, and it was a good day for the defense. Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Zach Gershman joins me. Yeah, we brought him back. Who stood out on Thursday, plus a discussion about Zayvon Collins and the pass rush, special teams, namely the punting competition, and the musical talents of running back Corey Clement. It's Cardinals covered to episode 659, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, what heart, what threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, half a five. He's in again. Some more Murray magic. Wow. Here's Craig Grealoux. Anyone who can write Matt Prater and Beyonce in the same sentence and get away with it deserves another opportunity here on Cards Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Let me say exactly what the sentence is because I told you, Zach, that I was impressed. It was notes late last week, correct? azcardinals.com. The benefits of kicking experience. Talking about Matt Prater. This is your lead to the specific note. When kicker Matt Prater joined the NFL in 2007, irreplaceable by Beyonce finished atop the Billboard charts. 17 years later, both Prater and Beyonce remain at the top of their game. That's impressive. Listen, I mean, irreplaceable is a great song. Matt Prater is a great kicker. How could you not? You don't see the comparison, Craig? Um, the fact that they've both lasted this long, yes. Other than that, I personally, I would have not have made that connection, but props to you for making that connection. And, uh, again, it's why we decided to bring you back here on day eight of Cards Camp. You know, I, I messed up the first time. I acknowledge I messed up the first time by not bringing any gifts. You and still I haven't said given the, me I said any that, gifts. But I still feel like the energy is a good – the vibes are still a good gift. With that being said, I'm glad. I knew Beyonce was going to bail me out at some point in my life. I didn't realize it was going to be at 21 years of age, but I'm glad it got me another shot on cover, too. Good stuff. We'll talk a little bit more about the special teams in a moment. But first things first, Thursday, the highlights, obviously, the team in full pads for the second time this week. First time was on Tuesday. And to be honest, and I mentioned it on Tuesday with Paul Calvisi, that I was not quite impressed by what I saw because there was – not as much in t- intensity and yeah. physicality that I expected on Tuesday's practice, and it was the last half hour of practice. A little bit more on Thursday, at least from my vantage point. They once again did the one-on-ones, DBs against pass catchers. There was some offensive line, defensive line work, and a lot more 11-on-11, especially some up-tempo work, yeah. some late first half, two-minute drill work, and some goal line situation or at least inside the 10 yard line so things did pick up a little bit which I like to see what stood out to you who stood out to you I want to say that I mean as you mentioned on Tuesday it wasn't the full padded experience I think we were all hoping for I think one of the best sounds in football is hearing the pads smacking against each other and it was we heard more of that today than we did at the first padded practice who stood out to me I think that 
Greg Dortch has been on fire on the offensive side of the ball. He has been very active in the passing game. And as you mentioned, the one-on-ones, he won most of his battles. Now, there was some jawing back and forth between him and Juju Hughes about offensive pass interference. But Greg Dortch has made a true impact catching the ball. He's been, he hasn't dropped many, if, if at all so far. At least I haven't seen but he's been very solid on the offensive side of the ball. I'll say this about Dorch. A year ago, I make the argument that he was the most consistent pass catcher on this team in 2022 because he was the most reliable. He was available for 16 games, four starts, and he had a good rapport with whomever was the quarterback at the time, specifically with Kyler Murray. Greg Dorch is an interesting and is, is in a interesting spot on this roster as far as fighting for one of those wide receiver spots. He can return punts. Haven't really seen anyone as far as returning kickoffs, but returning punts. And if there's a way for Dorch to maintain his spot on the roster with a new coaching staff, it is going to be because he is trusted back there as far as securing the football on the punt, and then seeing what you can do trying to get upfield. Yeah, we've seen Davion Davis take most of the kickoff returns during the open portion of training camp. I'll say, though, because you mentioned the consistency of Greg Dorch, he, as, as much as it is the consistency that's going to get him or hopefully get him if he wants to earn a spot on this roster, it's going to be that consistency, as you mentioned, and the versatility of his game, but he made a catch today right in front of me, dropped two, toe, two feet down, toe drag, uh, toe drag catch that the referees came together and they're like, did he get it? Did he not get it? They ultimately said he did. But those type of big plays is why he was very consistent last season and why he's looking to continue that into this upcoming one. You talk about standing out on film when the coaches go back and review the day's work. Who stood out? As JG mentioned earlier in camp, you're watching the film and you want to say who the blank is is that that? meaning who stood out and if you want to make sure that 83 is consistent in that and I think so far Dorch has been consistent one-on-one work because you mentioned that catch on the sideline and again we've talked a lot about Michael Wilson but the competition and the battles between him and Christian Matthew it got a little heated earlier in the week not so much heated on Thursday but a lot more grabbing by Matthew to the point where he was flagged and then Nick Rollis was nearby and came over and had some words because you can't do that you cannot hold the receiver especially beyond that five yard mark but that is something that has been a little bit of an issue so far with Christian Matthew and we've seen it before a year ago in training camp we've seen where they wear the mitts to where you prevent the DB from being able to hold on to a receiver's jersey. And and also something about Christian Matthew, as you mentioned, there was some jawing back and forth between him and Michael Wilson and Rondell Moore on the side was on the side clapping, kind of instigating it a little bit. But on Tuesday, Christian Matthew was very animated and you could tell that he was getting into the 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 kind of the violence that JG talks about, the physicality of pads coming back and everyone kind of getting into it. Today, it was on Thursday, it was more so Michael Wilson and you know, Michael, it was Michael and Marco kind of both going at it with each other on the field, not drawing back and forth, but making each other better, doing those one-on-ones. And Michael was coming down with a lot of those grabs. Marco was heavily on top of him with it, but it wasn't as much of the grabbing. It was the 
bringing the ball in, bringing it into your chest, and bringing it to the ground. It's impressive to watch Michael Wilson because he's stood out all offseason so far in training camp. The first preseason game is a week from Friday against the Denver Broncos. Can you maintain that level of play as the intensity ramps up and you see a different color uniform opposite you? And then the next big jump is, okay, it's one thing to do in the preseason, another thing to do it in the regular season week one, but there is a big expectation on Michael Wilson. Again, provided he stays healthy, yeah. which was an issue at Stanford, but he is certainly someone in that rookie class that you're like, okay, yes, pay attention to him. And preseason or not, for a guy like Michael Wilson, it's still going to be his first NFL game. And when you are able to see a different color jersey on the opposite side of you, there is an added sense of energy that you otherwise don't have. There's also going to be an added sense of nerves, you could assume, for a rookie going into his first NFL game. So that'll be quite unique to see how he's able to go against somebody he has not seen before. Throughout these practices, you're going to get used to seeing guys like Marco Wilson, guys like Christian Matthews and the defensive backs. You're going to learn their tendencies over these two weeks or so. When you go play Denver in the first preseason game, you're going to see a cornerback that you have not seen at all. So it's going to be learning the traits of how to dissect a cornerback like Marco Wilson, who is probably going to be uh, CB1, and using those traits that you learned from him from a wide receiver standpoint and taking it to the field. On the other side, where they kind of split, where you've got that one-on-one work and then the offense and defensive line on the other side in the end zone, because that always draws a lot of attention, and that's where you can kind of see guys separate themselves. I want to highlight Paris Johnson Jr. because his first rep against Dennis Gardeck, he got beat. Yep. And it was – here. He was He was animated. It was it. audible because once Gardeck got by him, Paris was not happy. And it was not that he was unhappy with Gardeck or anyone else. He was unhappy with himself. But what happened? He responded, and we saw, one, him go against Gardeck again and flung him to the ground. And you like that, one, you don't want your your tackle get beat, but how do you respond when you do get beat? And I think it was an excellent response from the rookie. Everyone always has that welcome to the NFL moment. I'm not going to say that that moment was a welcome to the NFL moment, but it was a learning moment for Paris Johnson Jr. There's a lot of praise, and we spoke about it in the previous podcast uh, last week about Paris Johnson and how the defensive linemen have been talking about his skill set, how he's been able to make an impact, how he's getting under them. For the first time of him facing adversity, at least in this practice, and those one-on-ones, kind of, I mean, not just kind of really getting beat by Gardick, he, as you mentioned, he responded, he adapted, and he took the coaching that was there. Right away, they talked to him. They saw him on the sidelines. You have guys like DJ Humphreys that are going to pick the rookie up, and they're going to help him out, and they're going to educate him and teach him. But it's the fact that within the, within. Two minutes, right away going back at it, it was a completely different moment for Paris. Get beat. He stood up well against David Collins and in that second opportunity against Gardeck, and it was a mismatch. So you like to see that response. Speaking of Gardeck, I, he was sneaky good on Thursday. One, beating Paris Johnson Jr., and then he got underneath Dennis Daly and left Daly behind him. So that's an interesting player on the outside linebacker group because it's been a little while since we've seen Gardeck do anything as far as a pass rush situation. 2020, 
is that magical season for Gardeck in which he had seven sacks over 94 defensive snaps. And I think this team is counting or hoping that now here in 2023, Gardeck gets back to that, maybe not so much the number, but at least be able to affect the quarterback and at least make the quarterback uncomfortable in the pocket. And there's a lot of talk around Zayvon Collins moving to the outside linebacker spot, and I know we're going to talk about it in a little bit. But to see somebody like Gardeck who – People might not have had the – they might not have circled his name on the roster before training camp begin as being a reliable potential starter on the outside linebacker spot on one of the edges. But as you mentioned, Craig, he was bull rushing his way through these offensive tackles and through these offensive linemen, and there was no quarterback back there. But if there was, he'd be in trouble with the way Gardick was getting through. Six feet, 232. This is year six for Gardick as an undrafted player that's impressive made his mark on special teams and again has flashed as far as a pass rusher but has not the last couple of seasons so if they can get him along with Zayvon Collins on the other side of Cameron Thomas who has looked strong he looked get, good today also my Jay Sanders if you can get him back on the football field at BJ Ojolari can you see him get some reps at some point this offseason or this training camp um but yeah it, it it's an interesting group because it's young talent, unproven talent, but talent that is that wants to be good, willing to be coached. And we mentioned Zayvon Collins. There is not a period that goes by if it's special teams or there is a little bit of a lull in which the edge rushers aren't doing anything at that moment. And Zayvon and linebackers coach Rob Rodriguez, who coaches the edge rushers, they are always talking. If it's not talking, then it is working one-on-one, -on -one, practicing technique, where are your feet, where are your hands, because this is a brand-new position for Zavin. Yet at the same time, he's lined up as one of those first-team edge rushers opposite Gardeck. And I've, I've had a close-up view of Coach Rodriguez and Zavin working on the side, just walking over there and seeing how it's not just you do this, you do this, you do that. They're breaking it down step by step. You put your arm up here, you want to smack it to go in this way. And they break it down intentionally with the, with the goal of this is exactly how you're going to be successful and why you're going to be successful. It's not just do it. It's here's why you're going to do it. Here's how you're going to do it. Now let's go do it. So we're able to see that on the defensive side with Coach Rodriguez and the outside linebackers. That's a group that has really kind of – they've removed the question mark around them because you know that's the talent that they're able to bring onto the field. The question marks that do remain are around the status of B.J. Ojolari and MyJ Sanders. If and when they're going to be able to come back, we see MyJ on the sidelines. He's very active in conversations. He still has that cast on his hand. Looks like it's around his thumb uh, as he got injured that first couple days of training camp. So those will be the, the question marks that remain. But Zayvon Collins, Dennis Dardick, Gardick, they're making a difference and they're making an impact early. By the way, that cast on Sanders' hand looks like it's gotten smaller, maybe almost now to a point where it's a splint. Mm -hmm. So if you're if you're judging his recovery by the size of the cast, how long it was, and now it was cut in half, and now it's you know basically just over his thumb and wrist, maybe he is closer to returning. Not saying that he might be available for preseason game number one, but just get him out on the practice field, pay it possibly at some point next week. I'll say that the encouraging thing about it, as much as it is the, the size of the cast shrinking, 
It's seeing how active he is. Uh, everyone talks about how active guys like Kyler Murray and Zach Ertz are guys who are on the pup list and how active they are in the meeting rooms. Seeing how active MyJ Sanders is on the sidelines and educating the guys that are there and working with them while he can't physically do it just as Coach Rodriguez is doing. He's breaking down the specific movements and how to do it. I hear him asking questions. He's very involved and very engaged. And I would assume he's eager to to get back out there. And JG's going to call it nicks and bruises and bumps. But it's very encouraging, as you mentioned, to see the cast, the size of it starting to shrink. One last point on this topic as far as edge rushers. Coach Rodriguez was a guest on Arizona Sports this week and asked about pressuring the opposing quarterback, and it wasn't so much for him the number of sacks, but, quote, we need to be a more consistent pressure team. The number of sacks last year, 36. Half no longer on the team. J.J. Watt, Zach Allen no longer part of the Arizona Cardinals. Maybe not so much the number of sacks, but are you getting consistent pressure to where that quarterback is bothered in the pocket to where they're throwing incomplete passes, or better yet, they're throwing the ball into traffic and it's getting deflected, interceptions, or someone wearing a Cardinals uniform has that ball in their hands. And I think this is where guys like Coach Rodriguez are going to be thrilled that there's a defensive-minded head coach in the in the facility because they've talked about getting physical. They've talked about being violent with it. And those defensive linemen, your edge rushers, getting to the quarterback, it's about winning your one-on-ones. And that's why we talk a lot about the one-on-one battles between your guys like Paris Johnson and Dennis Gardick because you're making each other better. And as you mentioned with the consistency aspect of it, the dog days of summer like today are the days that you're going to be able to make it happen come regular season. And it was, to me, a day in which the defense won as far as the number of times they stopped the offense. There was Buda Baker stopping James Conner near the goal line. There was Juju Hughes with an interception off a deflection that Keetrell Clark got his hands on on a pass from Jeff Driscoll that was intended for Blake Whitehart, who earlier in practice dropped a touchdown during 11-on-11. There were some moments for the offense. Tyson Williams had a nice move on Josh Woods to sneak into the end zone on a goal line player. At least it was inside the 10-yard line. So, again, you're going back and forth. But to me, overall, it was the defense that kind of set the stage for this second padded practice. We'll see what happens during the red and white practice. By the way, that red and white practice coming up on Saturday, 12, excuse me, 12.45 to 2.45 is the practice you will hear from owner Michael Bidwell, head coach Jonathan Gannon. Again, parking and admission are free. You can reserve up to four tickets to the Saturday practice. Go to azcardinals.com slash camptix. That's, again, azcardinals.com slash camptix. T-I-X. There'll be activities for your kids, selfie stations, the team shop will be open, and the entire team will sign autographs along the lower field wall on both sidelines. Again, that is Saturday, the red and white practice, 1245 to 245 on Saturday. Craig, what are the odds I could go up to the selfie station? (laughs) You know what? Knowing you in the short time that I have known you, Zach, my guess is that if we told you to do it just on a whim or just like to assign it to you, you know, maybe I might have to talk to your boss. We could call Darren. Selfie we, station. We'll know where he's at. I wonder what, like, you know, selfie station with, like, a cardboard cutout of a certain player. Are you interested in a certain player? Or? I mean, why should I get the player when I could just go uh, down to the uh, the cardboard cutout true. when I could just go down to the field? I just want to, like, as I mentioned, the vibes. I just want to, you know, put the piece up, 
you know, enjoy the enjoy the night, enjoy the view. Take to take in all that Cardinals Nation is able to bring in, all that the Bird Gang. It's going to be one of my first introductions to this fan base. So maybe I got to immerse myself in the selfie game and then, you know, continue meeting the fans. There is a different vibe, a different energy during the red and white practice because it is almost like a dress rehearsal for the preseason slash regular season as far as utilizing both sidelines, the players running out of the tunnel, and they use it as a practice ahead of the first preseason game. If it's anything like today in terms of the intensity on the field, I'll, I'll be good with it. We talk about those high-intensity days, the low-intensity days. Today was one of the highest high-intensity days that we've had so far. So if red and white is anything like today, plus the energy from the crowd, sign me up. And it was also a day in which, according to assistant head coach and special teams coordinator Jeff Rogers that dealt with a lot more punting. And again, this is special teams doesn't get talked a lot about unless something goes wrong, but there is a punting battle within this training camp between Nolan Cooney and Matt Hawk. And I know you've got a story on Hawk, the former ASU Sun Devil that will be posted soon on azcardinals.com. But that is a battle that not getting a lot of attention, but I think these preseason games, depending on how each of them punt and also hold on field goals, which Coach Rogers mentioned is going to be a factor in that. Again, we talk about position battles. Mm -hmm. Don't forget about the punter battle. The, those positions are the ones that are always overlooked, and then when something, God forbid, were to happen, everyone's eyes and attention go right to those positions. A kicker missed a game-winning field goal, it's all the kicker's fault. A punter is, is injured and there's nobody to take those punts, you see a difference. And I talked with Matt Hawk, and as you mentioned, we're going to have a story coming out in the next couple of days on azcardinals.com about how he became a punter. He's got a very unique story about how that was able to happen. I don't want to spoil it too much because I want to make sure you guys back at home do go to azcardinals.com for that. But it's one of those positions that – you bring, you could see the value that they have. And for somebody like Matt Hawk, who growing up did not see the value of the punter position, and as he's grown into the role, and as you mentioned, has had the experience across the NFL, the position is something that you really see the value that you're able to bring onto the field. In terms of the battle between Hawk and Nolan Cooney, it's really an experience and familiarity thing. Coach Rogers was talking about today how there's familiarity with Nolan Cooney with him coming back. But with Matt Hawk, he has the experience. He's played in Miami. He's played it with a handful of different teams. And now he comes in with, I believe it's five years of experience on the roster. And that's something that Nolan Cooney does not have. He only has one year under his belt. Matt Hawk has a couple more. Last season with the Colts, Hawk averaged almost 45 yards a punt, a net rating of 40.6. So he has the experience. He's also left-footed, which can also – factor into how that returner sees the football in a different spin and that can be an advantage for the Cardinals. The other advantage though on the flip side for Nolan Cooney is according to Coach Rogers he could kick off. Yes. And if something should happen or you need to give Matt Prater a break, you've got a backup, if you will. So do you go with youth but someone who can kick off or a little bit more experience left footed and that dynamic as far as how the ball comes down to a returner I would assume that if, if it were me making the call unfortunately it's <laughs> yeah, let's, not me let's make you the, the special call. teams coordinator it's not you me. just got here I Zach. know listen I'm, I'm going up to I'm going up the chains I went from writer to hopefully selfie taker <laughs> to now a special teams coach who says no but what, I, what I'll say is this the the experience that 
Matt Hawk has, and it's seven years, not five years. Just want to make sure I get that correct out there. The experience and the left-footed kicking, as you mentioned, does make a huge difference. And and Coach Rogers was talking about the hang time, how it's gotten a lot less over the years, and now it's only about 5.3, sometimes even less than that in terms of seconds getting all the way down the field. So having that experience and seeing the way that it comes off the foot for a returner is not as easy as from a right-footed kicker. One other story that you are working on, and it might already have been posted on azcardinals.com. We talk about another position battle. How about the number two running back? But not so much the competition, but just a little bit more about Corey Clement. Seventh season, 28-year-old. Last season, nine games with the Cardinals. Didn't join the team until week six. But you've got a little bit of an interesting twist to the Corey story. So for those that remember me being from Philadelphia, I saw Corey Clement as a player for the Philadelphia Eagles during his rookie season. And as a fan, I went to autograph signings just because I was a big memorabilia collector, let alone a fan of memorabilia collector. And I went to a Corey Clement signing and I said, Corey, I heard that you were interested in making music. Would you ever actually make music? And he goes, I've been since I was younger. Looking up online, I wasn't really able to find much about it. Coming here, I was like, let me take a look back, see if he's actually doing it. And Craig, Corey is actually doing it. He goes by the name Yurok, Y-E-R-O-C. So Yurok is kind of running the rock. I had to get that pun. Y-E-R-O-C? Y-E-R-O-C. Okay. Yurok. And though it's such a unique story, and please check it out on azcardinals.com because Corey grew up in a family where he knew he had it on the field, just being a successful player from New Jersey, going to Wisconsin, ultimately making it into the league as an undrafted rookie. But to go from that, he also knew that he had it off the field with a musical background. His dad's a part of an acapella group. His mother's a musician. His brother's a vocalist. So he was always intertwined with music, and music has kind of become a way for him to balance the everyday life of everyday humans and the everyday life of playing in the NFL. I love this. I mean, the first appearance here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. You break the news on what AQ means as far as the name of AQ Shipley, which I'd say it again. Alan Quay Shipley. Yeah, I had no idea even when he was here. I will say I Googled it afterwards (laughs) to make sure I was right. I was right. But I guess you can't always trust Pat McAfee when he's potentially under the influence during an interview if you check out the Zach on Sports YouTube channel to, to figure out what I mean. And then I love the backstory on Corey Clement, who we all know, again, running back. But I wouldn't say it's not like a, a side gig, but this is something that it's he – It's a career for it, him. It's what he wants to do post or even right now. And he was telling me, he goes, he goes listen, everyone always says, what are you going to do after the game? He's like, I know what I'm going to do. He loves the entertainment side of it. He's grown up with a musical background. The funny thing is, I asked him, I go, when did you know that you were able to do this? Like, obviously you knew from a football aspect, but like, when did you know that you could actually make music a career? And he said it was literally a school talent show. And he walked up on stage and getting in front of a stage and getting the stage fright out of the way, that was when he was like, all right, you know, this isn't so bad. I could actually do this. I could actually make music. And to think a guy who on any given Sunday will perform in front of 65,000 people plus upwards of that was concerned about a school talent show and gaining the confidence for that's very interesting. And I, I touch a little bit more about that into the article. But 
he's he's really taking it all in and this isn't just a, a side hobby it's not just a side hustle it's a it's another career for him see now you need to follow up to see if he has performed in front of his teammates so i so in the article we talk a little bit about it it's not necessarily performed but they've seen it okay. he said he said before he doesn't want to be so in their face about it like <laughs> He's Corey, and I was talking with Jesse. Uh, I, mean, I was talking with Jesse Lucetta when we were having our conversations, you know, as Penn Staters do. And I asked him, I said, Jesse, have you heard about Corey performing? Like, does he go around being like, hey, I'm your rock? Like, how is that interaction with him? And he goes, sometimes he'll play it in the sauna, but like to them, he's just Corey. And that's what they're able to see out of him. But he said something interesting about how Marco Wilson came up to him and goes, yo, I saw you on my Instagram. <laughs> And you make music, and for Marco being a big music fan and very into fashion and style, to see somebody have that sort of background and how they're still doing something with it while in the league, to him was very cool. Good stuff. Check it out on azcardinals.com. Corey Clement trying to solidify his spot as the number two running back behind James Conner and also the musical talents as well. That story up on azcardinals.com. Thursday's practice in the books, the second one in pads ahead for the Cardinals, the red and white practice on Saturday here at State Farm Stadium. Again, 1245 to 245, parking admission all free. You can get up to four free tickets. Go to azcardinals.com slash camp ticks, azcardinals.com slash camp ticks. That is T-I-X. Again, the entire team will sign autographs on the lower field wall on both sidelines after the game. And there is a advisory that we want to make sure fans know. Be mindful of the excessive heat and take necessary precautions. We don't want people waiting outside for a long period of time. Wait until gates open. Get out of the car. That way you can go right into the stadium and you are allowed to bring a factory-sealed, non-frozen, 16.9-ounce bottle of water into the building as well. So, again, all the details up on azcardinals.com. As I mentioned, the selfie station. And who knows, Bird Gang, maybe you run into young Zach at the selfie station. I'll take a selfie with you if you're interested. Oh, boy. <laughs> we might have to follow up on that. Listen, Craig, if I take one selfie, it's a successful day. Okay. So uh, somebody, find me, just so I could come back here on cover two so I could earn my keeps and I could say, Craig, I did it. I got a selfie with somebody. Bird Gang, you have your assignments for the red and white practice coming up on Saturday. And on that note, we'll put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Almohandro, our associate producer, Cody Fincher. For young Zach Gershman, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.